Hello and welcome to the Swish Wagon with Matt. We're hitting you with a second episode this week. This might be a regular, might not be, see how lazy I get, see how much time I have, but anyway, this week, we had a big UFC pay-per-view, biggest one in a while, UFC 280, live from Abu Dhabi, sponsored by that oil money, you know, but uh, yeah, big fights, big fights, awesome fights, slept right through them, did not watch them live at all, and didn't even think about it when I woke up, like I woke up in a... You know, like, you've had a real deep, long sleep and you're just real disorientated. That was basically me on Sunday morning. So I woke up, checked my phone immediately, like the fucking millennial Zoomer piece of shit I am. And yeah, saw the results straight away. So, yeah, yeah. So got to watch them later, a few hours later, just knowing what happened. So I had all the fun and enjoyment and excitement sucked out of it. But anyway, it was a great card, man. Pretty fucking good card. I only watched in depth the three main fights. Obviously did not watch the female fight. Old uh, Chikugan and the French woman. Um, But yeah. We'll start with the most controversial fight of all. My guy, Sean O'Malley. Sugar Sean O'Malley got the split decision win. Of a Pyotr Jan, the Russian, and as much as you know, you know me, like it was tough to go against a Russian with how pro, pro Russian I am. But you know, Sean, Sean O'Malley, been, I've been on the O'Malley hype train since basically the beginning, from when he did that uh, contender series fight, and they had the, and the, they had the Snoop Dogg commentary with Uriah Faber. If you don't, if you, if you're not, if you're not an MMA fan. And you haven't watched the MMA fight, you know that I highly recommend starting with that one. Just look up Sean O'Malley, Snoop Dogg, and you'll get there. It's just basically Sean O'Malley's first ever fight, like six years ago. He was like 21, scrawny, frizzy-haired kid, just th- just spamming, just all the spinny shit he could do, just every ridiculous shot taking and landing against some. St- absolute bum and Snoop Dogg is just going absolutely cra- crazy in the commentary booth but anyway so I've been on the Sean O'Malley hype train since the beginning so man it was a good feeling like yeah, I, I was worried I was worried about our guy going into this you know rank 12 taking a big step up against Jan former champion number one ranked fighter in the division but like you know, he he just got it done. Like, split decision. It was a close fight. A lot of people, a lot of people think it was a robbery. Thought that Jan got it done. I think people that... Like, I can understand if you think he won, you know, if you're, like, oh, close fight, Jan won. You know, I can see that. But if you're one of these idiots that are saying it was a robbery, you just... You're an idiot. You either don't know MMA... Which I know if a lot of them is wrong because you know you see a lot of fighters on social media saying it was a yarn robbery. But if that's the case, if you actually know what you're talking about and you still think yarn robbed this fight, I think it's more, you know, I think it's just because you're an absolute hater piece of shit and you don't like Sean O'Malley because he's got bright hair and lots of face tattoos and hangs out with Takashi Six Nine and the Nelk Boys and just his friends with the Paul brothers and that kind of shit and just is 
Dicely slowly becoming the Zuma of Lord of the UFC, just like the absolute epitome of what everybody hates about the next generation coming forward. But, well, that's, you know. And I can see that. I can see why people think that way about Sean O'Malley, because that's, you know, he is those things. But once you actually get you get into him, you see, the, you follow the journey, you see, you know, how he started out, you know, just the scrawny stoner kid doing spinny shit and lots of kicks and stuff and getting into the UFC and then he had that fight early on where he broke his foot and still, you know, couldn't put any weight down on his foot but still managed to hang on and win a fight and a decision. And then he's on the ground in pain and just telling Joe Rogan that he loves him because we all love Joe Rogan here. But, uh, yeah, man, it's just... He's onto it, man. He's a cocky guy. He's a confident guy. He's got a good head on his shoulders. He's fucking, you know, if you actually follow this guy, yeah, he, he, stream, he streams a lot. He's one of these Call of Duty gamers and shit like that. So there's a lot of him online, and he puts himself out there, and he's colorful, and he's, you know, loves the weed, all, all for the weed. So I get it. If, you, if, if that's what you don't like in life... I understand why you wouldn't like him, but if you don't like, you know, if you don't at least like that shit, you're probably not going to listen to this podcast anyway, so if, if you're out there, and if you're not huge into MMA, you know, you, whatever reason, you never quite got into it, and there's a, you want to follow a fighter, get behind a horse to really get you into it, then Sean O'Malley, man, stocks are rising, he's going to go into a title fight next, probably sometime earlier next year against Aljamain Sterling. And I don't know how that's going to go. That's going to be a real real clash of styles. Like Aljo, he's, you know, he's a, he's a grappler. He's a submission specialist. He loves getting onto people's backs and just looking for that rear naked choke and just grappling, grappling people. He's real big, cuts a lot of weight for the division. And he just tries to overpower people, get them to the ground and get on their back and try and choke them out. And yeah, I don't know how that's going to go against Sean, who's a, you know, he's tall. He's real. He's probably the tallest guy in, in that division, being the bantamweights, some of the smaller guys. But uh, he's great, you know, great striker, great kickboxer, really good using that length and picking you apart. So I don't know. Is Sean going to be able to keep Aljo away from him? Is he going to be too quick and just piece him up on the outside or is Aljo just gonna be able to get in there and ragdoll him like he did to TJ Dillashaw as we flow on to the co-main event where Aljamain defended against TJ Dillashaw now I won't go too much into this fight because it was a shortish fight the second round finish for Aljo but it was just you know <laughs> TJ he fought he had the dislocated shoulder it popped out in the first round like it's tough enough. MMA is tough, especially, like, in a title fight. You're fighting fucking other top fighters in the world. Like, it's the small percentages that make the difference. And then you're going to go in there and do it literally with only one arm because that's basically what happened to TDA Dillashaw. He looked like it popped out, like, two minutes in. Not even that. Maybe, like, a minute and a half into the first round. And, like, he just couldn't really throw it, couldn't really defend any takedowns from that side. And... 
LJ just had his way with him, got him on the ground pretty easily, just worked around to his back and just wore him out, and you saw as, as they went into the break between rounds, TJ's corner just yanking on his shoulder, trying to pop it back in, never fun, uh, and then yeah, but in the end in the second round, just LJ just wearing TJ down, TJ just couldn't really defend much, and just the ground and pound punches, and the ref got in there, had to call a stop to it, TKO win for Aljo. And yeah, the Funkmaster, who I quite like, you know, he doesn't have a massive following. He used to be hated because of the way he got the title, basically getting the title by disqualification in the first place. But like, you know, he bit he bit Jan in his last fight and the guy who he took the title off, so you know, you can't say he doesn't deserve it. And then he's just beaten TJ Dillashaw, yeah, a one arm TJ Dillashaw, but he's a former champion as well. But man, he's He's fucking, you know, his unique style and he's loves that backpack style of just getting on the back and riding you, looking for the rear naked and just wearing you out all day. So it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see how he goes against Sean O'Malley. I'm definitely going for O'Malley in that one. I think it'll just be fucking awesome for O'Malley to be champion. I just want O'Malley to be as big as humanly possible because it'll piss people off and make me happy. And the more people that get pissed off by it, the happier I get. But anyway, the main event. The lightweight title. Islam Makachev. Versus Charles Oliveira. Charlie Olives. For the vacant title. As you know, Charlie Olives missed weight in his last event. So, he was stripped. But he won. So, got basically was the number one contender. And then, Islam Makachev. Under basically 12 win fight streak or 12 fight win streak or some shit like that you know on his way up Khabib's understudy Khabib's boy Khabib's his coach now so you know he went in there and just basically dominated Islam dominated got the win got the submission for victory in round 2 which I did not think it would happen. I thought Oliveira was going to... I thought it was going to be almost impossible to submit him on the ground, but I didn't count on Islam basically being the better man on the feet and knocking him down. And He knocked him down and jumped on him so fast with that submission that Charlie Olives would have been uh, too disorientated to properly defend it. So, you know, what can you do? Like, any, you know, can't do anything about that if you basically... Semi unconscious on the ground with the one of the one of the best grapplers in the world on top of you. It's only it's inevitable really. So Islam got the job done. Fucking scary man. He's so good on the feet for for that like that style. Like if you compare him to Khabib, if he's got that same style that Khabib does. If he just wants to smash and just get you to the ground and wrestle fuck you all day. And he, you know, he's good at doing that. He had his way in the first round mostly with Charles trying to do that. And but Charles is a is an expert grappler himself, so was able to defend mostly. And but yeah, Islam just on the feet, like he was defensively like Charles couldn't really hit him that much, which was surprising. I thought like Charles has got that style. He walks straight forward into the fire, and you know he dropped Gagey. as one of the best strikers in the division down. And he, and he was dropping Poirier, 
but also the key thing in those fights too, he was getting hurt himself, and Islam was able to not get hit, and because of Oliveira's style, he was it was just inevitable that Islam was going to connect eventually, and he did, and pounced on his moment and got him out of there, and he's the new champion. And yeah, yeah, pretty boring guy. Probably huge in the Muslim world. Nowhere near as big of a star as Khabib, but Khabib was massive. So we'll see how he goes. And he's got his fight next fight lined up against the Aussie, Alexander Volkanovski, coming up from featherweight. He's going to try and do the champ champ thing and beat Islam for the lightweight title. He's going to do that in February in Perth, Australia. So interesting. Could have the opportunity to go see that. I don't know, we'll see, I signed up for pre-sale tickets for that fight card, but fuck, that's going to be a lot of money. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm sitting here doing a podcast in my car, what do you think the fucking bank balance is like, man, I, I don't know, like I'm going to going to Sydney with the boys soon in a bit over a month, but Perth from here, it's just a whole nother kettle of fish, and then the tickets are going to be expensive, and getting accommodation, and I don't know, man. Like, it's a good fight, but I feel like, you know, I'll still watch it live at home. Like, the UFC will eventually come closer again. Like, they'll come to Auckland, and the very least, they'll come. They'll go to Sydney and Melbourne and stuff. So, yeah, probably later next year or the year after. So, I think I'll just wait. Wait, wait it out. And Volkanovski, he's probably going to be champion for a while. So, at least in the featherweight division. So, he'll probably, you know in a year or so defend his title back there again so I think I'll probably just wait but yeah it's like I could go though but yeah it's just it's one of those it's probably that'd probably be one of those once in a lifetime things and UFC's gonna be around and you never know fuck the way things are going they could eventually bring a fight down here to Christchurch but that's probably a long way away so more likely Auckland I wouldn't mind going one for Auckland so we'll see when the next UFC Auckland card is plenty of big names that could headline that, but hopefully that could potentially be maybe sometime next year, later in the year. But as long as old Jacinda doesn't doesn't fuck things up. But yeah, yeah, man. MMA, gotta love it, eh? Fucking men smashing each other's skulls and could never do it myself. Way too much of a pussy to get into it myself. Like. I don't even really want to do jiu-jitsu, to be honest. Like, I just don't have that, fu- you know, fire in me to go. I suppose I don't have that short person syndrome. Like, I'm, I'm on the large side, as far as human beings go. And I've always has, ha- have been, always got a bit of muscle to me. And I feel like without doing too much training, I can, I can, I can handle myself with at least 90% of people out there. And... So I've just never really felt the need to like get to get into a boxing gym or some bullshit like that and train myself to be an absolute killer. I just feel like I got it naturally, really. No, I don't do. I don't have a natural. I couldn't kill anybody. But you know, I think it's just it's probably just laziness as well. Like I know it's gonna be hard. Like it's just gonna be cardio, just lots and lots of cardio, and just hitting bags. And then if it's kind of, and I also know like. It's going to be hard, or I would, I'm either going to hate it and find it too hard and quit, or I'll get into it, get obsessive, 
and just go nuts and go hard. And then the only way that leads is to eventually, like, do an actual proper, like, an amateur fight and progress from there. And I I really don't want to do that, man. I don't want to get my head bashed in. I'm too intelligent for that. I can't lose, you know, too many more brain cells. It's the money maker. But, uh, yeah, but I have, and, you know, back in the back in the Dizay, getting a few head knocks, playing footy. You know, it's just not fun. It's just just doesn't appeal to me. And even jiu-jitsu, like, I don't have the, you don't have the danger to do that, but just something about rolling around with another man in pyjamas all day, just trying to stretch him out and make him submit and just getting into mounts and dominating and taking his back and just doing all, all that all day. It just, well, it's kind of, you know, Sounds a bit, sounds a bit too gay, really. But I know that's immature. But also, like, I don't know. Like, jiu-jitsu, like, I know it's, out of all the individual martial arts, it's probably the most effective in a real fight. But, again, like, what are you, are you actually ever going to do that? What kind of pussy do you have to be to, like, get into a street fight with someone? To then shoot at their legs, try and take their back and choke them out on the ground, like, you know. And when you do that, like, it's, it's how often in the street fight is it straight one-on-one? Like, usually, even if it is a one-on-one street fight, they've got their boys with them or whatever the fuck. So, like, the moment you, you take someone down and you got other people hanging around, they could just start kicking you and shit and just beating the shit out of you and because you got your hands filled trying to deal with this guy and you're not you know got your wits about you and you kind of not only pinned down on him he could be pinned down on top of you and you just get fucked up so yeah I don't know like it's fun to watch which is kind of weird because it's about as brutal as a human sport can get but fuck man it's just you get into it like yeah, like she, you know, like there's no, you know, it's not like rugby or American football or something where they can kind of just lie about how damaging it is to your long-term health and you kind of just believe it, you know. But like with boxing and MMA and stuff, you, like they've known forever that that shit fucks you up. Like the amount of, box, boxers have died in the ring for like well over a, a bloody century and I haven't really heard of it happening in MMA, but it probably will eventually. It's just still isn't quite big enough worldwide as boxing is. But yeah, so you just you know, like if to some extent you have to be okay with that to really get into it. So I can't blame you if you don't. But yeah, you you know what you're getting into when you're watching an MMA fight like that. But yeah, but I suppose one way it could. I wouldn't be surprised if it, would, if it happened sometime in the future that you could see someone die in the MMA as if you got one of these bloody trans women getting in there with the non-trans woman and just absolutely fucking the shit out of them because they are physically males and they are fighting physical females. But, you know, really, hopefully, in the future, they should sort that out. I think most places they are. And because, like, you know... As much as this this transphobia shit is kind of like, you know, there are a lot of people that are 
irrationally scared and abusive towards trans people. Like, you know, oh, I, I'll agree with you there. But when it comes to sports like that, like fighting sports in particular, like, you know, you gotta, you, you can't let them in. You just can't. Like, there's something bad's gonna happen. And I think with most, even the craziest of the lefties and liberals and shit, I think most of them agree with that. It's, I think that's the only effective sort of trans-exclusionary policy you're allowed to have in society anymore. Even Joe Rogan can say that, and he, no one uproars because they, you know, those pussies hate him, and they're trying to, they uproar and get their knickers in a knot about every fucking little thing that that guy does that you could get annoyed about, <laughs> but, which doesn't work. They never cancel him, but yeah, so that's kind of the only widely acceptable way you can still tell trans to get the fuck out, because, you know, not that, not that I want to tell trans people to get the fuck out, like, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll be, this might marginalise some of the audience, but I'm actually, I'm, I'm fairly, I'm a fairly pro-trans person, you know, I feel like, yeah, you know, they ain't hurting anybody. You're not hurting anybody. You know what the fuck you want to your body. If you want to, you know. And I think genuinely, there are genuinely people that feel a lot more, you know, whether they were born a male and feel like they're a lot more female and that they'll be a lot more comfortable and live a happier life if they start to identify as a female and vice versa with female being born that are more masculine and all that sort of jazz. Like... I don't have a problem with it, you know. I don't have a problem with that at all. You know, I don't even I don't even have a problem with this non non-binary stuff and all the stuff in between and the extra letters on the end of the LGBTQ stuff. Like, you know, I find it a little bit weird. You know, I don't fully understand why everybody feels like they need a label these days. But like, you know. There's other straight white males out there listening. Like, I know there mostly will be. Like, I think that's the demo here for this podcast: straight white males. But um, well, you know, and hyphen and and quotes there straight, if you know what I mean. But um, yeah, I just I don't get the whole need to just put a label on who the fuck you are, like. Yeah, I get it if you, you know, you're trying to project out there and you're trying to find people to bring into your life that have got similar values and ideas. Like, I feel like, you know, a lot of, lot of back to something we spoke about the other day, a lot of Christians do that. You know, you see a lot of Christians, they want to be friends with other Christians because then they can talk about being a Christian and all that Christian bullshit. But so, yeah, and same with, you know, you know, and you notice this, with immigrant communities when they move to different countries and stuff like that, you know, the, the Chinese tend to hang out with the Chinese and the Romanians like to hang out with the Romanians and all that kind of shit because, you know, then you can talk about that kind of shit. So I can understand it from that perspective if you want to say that you're a, you know, a non-binary demisexual witch because you would like to attract other non-binary demisexual witches into your life because you'll have more in common. I can understand it from that perspective, but I don't think that's what most of it is. 
I think most of it's just, you know, the, that overused and horribly understood term that gets thrown around a lot today. I think it's just a lot of virtue signaling. Like, I think people are just like, look at me, I'm important, I'm special because I got this different thing about me. Like, wow, you're a unique individual. Like, you have to tell everybody to explain, you know, and have a title to explain that. Like, well done. Like, you know, human beings are all... I don't know if you've met, like, many humans before, but, like, I've I've been, you know, around enough in my 20-something years on this planet to... I can see that, you know, pretty much every person is different, like, you never, if you meet someone new, like, you know, they may remind you of other people, but you're never going to meet someone that's exactly like someone else, like, human beings are pretty much, effectively, we, we vary in infinite different ways, like, you can meet identical twins, like, they can look almost the exact same, but personalities completely different. Like, you know, I'll tell you a story from back in the day. Yeah. So some of you may know, like, I used to I used to coach a lot of uh, women's sport, and particularly high school women's sport. Didn't touch any of them. Don't get any ideas. I was clean. I was clean, you know. But anyway, so I used to coach some, I won't say the sport, but uh, some girls' high school sports. And there was this one time, it's probably about six, seven years ago now, now, we went away on a trip together for, for a week as a team, and, you know, doing a bit of training, doing a bit of competing and stuff like that, and basically there were these four girls that were, they all played the same position, so they were, they kind of were grouped together and they stayed in the same room and stuff, so there were four girls and two of them were identical twins. Now... These two identical twins, let's uh, call them Sarah and Maisie. Sarah, I liked Sarah. Sarah had been, a, you know, she worked hard. She tried hard, She, you know, and going into that, she was, wouldn't you just, actually, we'll talk about three of them. This is a three-part story. So you, had the, you, got the, you got the two identical twins, Sarah and Maisie, and then you've got a third one, because one of the girls wasn't really involved in the situation, but there's a third girl who was the older, more senior of the girls. Her name was Nora. Okay, so you got Sarah and Maisie, the twins, Nora, the third and older one. And so going into that year, Nora thought that she was going to be the top dog, you know? She was going to basically be in the top team in that position. She was going to be the best one there because, you know, she was older, she was second fiddle, basically the backup the year before, and that girl moved on because she was too old and left school, and so she, you know, she felt entitled to that spot, so, you know, and she, she got lazy, she was a bit lazy anyway, but she got cocky and didn't really work hard that year, so, then you had Sarah, the one twin that I actually, got, you know, got on well with, worked hard, did well, she worked hard and, you know, by about halfway through that season, she uh, uh, she was doing better than Nora, and so I put her in the top in the top team. So anyway, you know, with as you can understand, if anybody that has a, spent any time at all around groups of women, that went down incredibly well in this group. 
so well that when we were away on this trip with the team, that Maisie and Nora, so Maisie being the other twin, came up with a plan. And they were going to intimidate Sarah. They wanted to basically start, you know, they'd already started being bitchy to her and, you know, picking up and progressively moving into bullying territory and just being a straight up bitch to her to the point where Sarah was coming to me and being like, fucking Maisie and Nora just fucking me off, honestly. Not that language, but, you know, just, oh, they're being absolute bitches and saying shit to me, talking, stirring shit and all that stuff that women always do. And anyway, so, they come with this plan. The plan was to lock Sarah in the bathroom with them. So, oh no, no, so Nora, so Maisie was going to lock the bathroom when Nora and Sarah were in there. So Nora and Sarah in the bathroom Locked in there, alone. And so what Nora decided to do when they were alone, when she was alone with Sarah, while her twin sister was barricading the door, was pull a knife out and threaten her life and tell her that unless she promised to come to me and say that she didn't want to be in the top team anymore, didn't want to be effectively starting in the top team anymore, she didn't come to tell me that she didn't want to do that, basically giving a spot to Nora, that she would cut her on this school trip while her twin sister locked her in the bathroom. So Sarah bawled her eyes out, basically agreed, but, you know, this Nora wasn't really that smart of a bitch because fucking Sarah just came to me and just, just told me exactly, me and the other coaches, exactly what her twin sister and Nora had done to her, so, yeah, instant, just instant trouble, but, yeah, and, but, surprisingly, though, with the school that I was working at, because we called the school, told the teacher, and it was with us, and principal, and all that stuff, and wrote a wee, had to write a wee report about it, and all that, but surprisingly, at this school, this Catholic girls' school, the only punishment that this girl got for threatening to cut this other girl was that she had to apologise to her. I am not joking. Literally, all the school said was, oh, we need to make her apologise to her face-to-face and give her a stern warning. So, yeah. Yeah. That solved all the problems. Not. That continued for the rest of the season. And the school would do nothing. And, you know, I bet outside of, like, basically benching those two girls, you know, putting them in the bottom team and having the fourth unmentioned girl be the second string, Sarah still being the first string, those two are now the third and fourth string, there wasn't really anything else I could do because we needed them, you know, to make up all the teams. But, uh, like you know, they understood, like, like, they could kind of understand that, you know, they dropped, basically, there's nothing they could know about it, and they'd mentally checked out at that point anyway, but anyway, what was I telling that story about, I was talking, what was I talking about, (laughs) 
talking about women. I was talking about... Anyway. I've just had a complete mind blank there. What was I talking about? Oh, man. This is what happens when you... Smoke weed and do a podcast. Memory just completely goes on you sometimes. I was talking about something anyway. I wrote a list down of topics for when I get stuck. To move on to stuff. But, uh... Yeah, so... What else happened this week? I worked a night shift this week. Got on the night shift. There was a... Which I haven't done in a while. Used to do the night shift a few years back on an old job and... Got pretty used to it. It's brutal, the night shift, man. Don't, don't even, you know, I wouldn't recommend it. It's kind of weird. Like, I used to do a night shift where I basically would work from 7 a, no, 7 p.m. I'd start at 7 p.m. and work 12 hours through to 7 a.m. And do that four days on, four days off. And it was a security job. Back, you know, left uni with my shitty degree. Very unemployable, which they don't tell you about. So, best job I could take was a night shift security role. And it was chill. You know, probably one of the easiest jobs I had. I could, you know, pretty easily just... I was left on my my own a lot. Didn't have a lot of human interaction. Could quite easily smoke weed every now and again on the job. But yeah, man. Just that sort of sleep schedule, bro. It just fucks you up, eh? Like kind of like once you start real learning about circadian rhythms and shit and things like that and how much the sun sort of you know promotes different hormones and things in your body and gets you gives you that energy that you actually need and if you're basically just up all through the night and not seeing any sun which I was doing some days because most of what I was doing was during the winter so I'd come home I'd finish at seven it would still be dark to about eight o'clock and I'd want to try and get to sleep while it was still dark, because trying to sleep when you first see the sun isn't the easiest thing in the world. And so I'd sleep through from like, yeah, 8 o'clock to 4.35, and then you got like 20 minutes of sun until, you know, it gets dark again, and then you got to go to work. So, man, that just really fucks you up, eh? Like, it's just, it's not good. Man, yeah, so I had a one-off night shift to do, like, wasn't too bad, it was pretty cruisy. The pay was insane. You know, the, I get, the job I do, I get paid... It was, on a, it was on a Friday night, and the job I do, I get paid time and a half to do a weekend shift. Because it was a night shift, boss said that he was going to pay us time and a half on top of the time and a half. You know, time and a half inception. So pay was good, and it was only a six-hour shift, but and it was pretty cruisy. Finished at 6 a.m. But yeah, man, fucked me up for the last few days. What are we, Monday now? I did this on Friday night into Saturday morning. So then slept all day Saturday. Woke up around 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And then, yeah, basically real tired. Just tired all day. Up till Couldn't fall asleep. When I tried to go to sleep around midnight, it was up till 4 a.m. Slept, you know, most of Sunday. Still fucked up. Had to go do some work on Sunday afternoon. And then, yeah, we are Monday, and just, oh, still fucking feeling it, man. You know, it's just, human body's not meant to work at night. 
you learn that the hard way sometimes. And yeah, would not recommend it. But shout out, shout out to all those boys out there doing, slogging away, doing doing the essential, essential work out there, working the night shift. I used to, the most fucked up schedule I used to do is, I was working in these group home situations for a while, like, you know, they'd have three shifts running, where you'd have the morning, the afternoon, and then the night, so morning would be like 6am to 2pm, then 2pm to 10pm, and then night shift would be 10pm 10, 10 to 6am, man, I used to, like, just do casual, Got I had a casual contract there, so I'd just pick up whatever shift was available, and then, so sometimes I'd do night shift, morning shift, and afternoon shift, all within one week, Oh, fuck, man. That would just ruin your sleep schedule. Like, within, like, it's not so bad when you can get... It's easier to just always be in a night shift schedule than just, like, sleeping and not sleeping because you just get into this habit of staying up for, like, a day and a half at a time and then sleeping six hours and then staying up through the night again and then then having to sleep like 12 hours the next day to catch up and then I mean you try and get back and then you can then you stand up real late so you only get like three hours sleep to adjust back to a day schedule and yeah just oh fuck man couldn't do it for long could never do it for more than like four or five months at a time and not gonna be going back to it anytime soon but speaking of night shift I've made a couple of upgrades to the wagon, our mobile podcast studio. Um, in the process of making it to more of a, more of a, you know, but more of a camper wagon, if that's a thing. Got a got a nice wee mattress that fits pretty damn well across the back street. Already got a cooking set up and just get it ready for summer because we're gonna take this thing on the road, man. We're gonna make this. You know, this is going to be a, a white girl summer of transformation as we travel through the South Island of New Zealand. That's, I think, the plan. We're going to try and get somewhere, you know, get somewhere different most weeks, you know, sort of base myself here in, in, in Christchurch and just float around and go down, go up north, go to the west coast, go down south, just go see shit, man. You know, get in, get in the wagon, and it's gonna be, it's gonna be good time. Like, the only thing is, you know, not really gonna get this self-contained, contained certified, which I think is one of the fucking most annoying laws they have in this country. That to be able to just sleep in your car legally in a lot of places, you have to basically pay five hundred dollars and fucking basically get a whole plumbing set up in your car, which is a bit ridiculous. Like, yeah, okay, they don't want you to shit in public places, but most people are just, most people don't do that. Like, who wants to shit behind a bush? There's enough public toilets, like, there's a public toilet in every fucking town in the country. Like, you know, you've got to be a pretty big piece of shit to take a shit in the wilderness and ruin it for everybody, but, so I don't think, I don't think, I think, if there's people shitting in the woods, I think that's just going to happen naturally anyway. Like, I literally was walking walking through a park the other day, just smoking a joint, and there was this older, pretty raggedy-looking couple walking through, and I saw 
saw the woman, she just literally popped a squat behind a bush and took a dump. Like, she was about 100 metres away from me in a public park. There was at least, like, 10 other people I could see, like, in this rather large park that could could have fucking seen her. But, you know, that no law's going to stop that hoary-ass bitch from taking that dump in the park, so... Honestly, it's just another fucking extra government bureaucracy to try and fucking siphon money off the population and fill the coffers of corrupt politicians, but, you know, I really don't think it's that big of a deal to get, like, yeah, I think, like, the fine's only, like, 200 bucks if you get caught, and it's kind of like, unless literally you get caught, like, at 3am when your lights out, snoring away, clearly got to set up in the back, and it's like, obvious that you're camping there I feel like you could talk your way out of that most time like like here I am now like, um you know I won't be an idiot about it. I won't like stay too much in the city like as long as you stay pretty rural and pretty quiet and pretty secluded like there's a lot of freedom camp setups especially with researching them so anyway long story short we're going to be taking this podcast a bit more mobile a bit more cross-country trying to get a different perspective on the layout of things as we head into what's going to be a pretty damn good summer here in here in New Zealand, before before the economy collapses, before shit hits the fan, because that's coming, that's coming soon. And seeing that happen in the UK a lot, a lot of, lot of strife in the UK, in Great Britain, old Liz Truss, the UK Prime Minister, stood down this week, the 44 days, and yeah, you had that lettuce gag I think was like the lamest joke ever you had the Liz Trust lettuce for those that don't know somebody set up like a YouTube thing of a live stream of a lettuce head with googly eyes on it like wondering what's going to last longer the life of this lettuce or Liz Trust in office and the lettuce one like whoa cool but anyway I think it was staged you know I'm not a full expert on UK politics because I'm not a low-life loser that cares about the politics of another country, but what I am aware of, like, they got rid of old your boy Boris, put her in, crashed the economy, got a bunch of weird fucking laws passed and got her out, so so they can scapegoat her and blame her for all their problems when it was really all of them and the people that are actually running the government that caused all their fucking problems and fuck shit up in the first place. Yeah, so I think that's going to... And because, you know, they try like to run the same plays in governments all over the place, I think that's basically effectively what's going to happen here with Yacinda Ardern. We're getting to the point, like, they're just putting, you know, like I mentioned the other week, they put that stupid farmer's tax in and they're making terrible fucking decisions with this government and fucking things up, fucking the economy up, fucking everybody up, fucking me up, fucking mandates and all that bullshit. And so, the, you know, there should be like an election next year or some shit, so they're going to keep crashing things, making things worse, so that we have, basically, unless you're, if you're still a half-decent human being that believes in voting, that you basically have to vote national, otherwise you're a piece of shit. And they'll get old big Chris Luxton in as Prime Minister, who's literally just a wet blanket on wheels, who's going to run this company like a CEO how like he was the CEO of fucking the warehouse or in New Zealand where the fuck that ball count was from 
And yeah, just fucking make things really fucking weird. And he's he's also a Christian right wing nut, so you know that's gonna make things way more fun in this country. He's probably good luck getting fucking weed legalized or even fucking medicinal anytime soon, because there's no fucking way a national government's gonna do that. And fucking yeah. And then also like, there's probably not gonna be any abortion, which. I could take or leave, but that's going to piss a lot of people off, and then a lot of the other decent social causes and shit, they're going to go to absolute shit, and this country's going to be an even bigger shithole. So yeah, bullish, I'm bullish on the future of New Zealand, I think it's going to go well, I think this country is, ah, uh, no it's not, but I'm not fucking leaving, neither should you. We're going to do this, people. We will survive this. But that's also another reason that I've been motivated to kit out the session, make it a bit more mobile, get out there this summer, because I think it might be a fair chance that it's the last decent summer we have for a while. And that makes us sad. But we're going to stay positive. Positive vibes only here, people. Anyway, man... I think that's enough for today. I think we will keep this going to to a week. Step up, keep that foot on their throat and keep shrugging along. But yeah, stay frosty, people. That's the podcast.